everyone. Welcome back to Blue and Gold, a Superman and Booster Gold podcast. I hope everyone out there is doing well. This is the end of April, and it's been an interesting April, to say the least. So everybody's in the thick of uh, sheltering in place and stay-at-home orders and all of that. So it's been on everybody's minds. I'm not going to spend too much time dwelling on it, but I hope everybody is staying safe and everybody's family is safe and that everything is going well for those of you out there and you're not too bored and you're hopefully hopefully um, employed. And if not, the end is almost is coming. I feel like um, for the I know there's been a lot of people furloughed and laid off. And so my heart goes out to all of you who are struggling with this. We're doing well. My, my family and I, we are, my wife and I are lucky enough that both of us get to work from home. I'm actually working on some uh, coronavirus, um, some coronavirus work. And so helping to do my part, um, well, I won't go into the specifics, but my work is, has shifted to a coronavirus um, uh, research uh, and digging into it. So with that aside, I wanted to spend a little while. I realize that I don't think I'm going to be able to get this show out much more than once a month. And I think that's fine. It's free. And I'm sure... Those of us who listen to podcasts and make podcasts, we don't listen to just one. So hopefully I can be enjoyable podcast to listen to, get a Superman fix and a Booster Gold fix once a month. Um, I don't see myself doing anything less, and I might do more. I, I don't see myself doing any more than every two weeks, but I don't see myself doing anything less than a month. So this is April, April 2020 episode. Today I'm going to be talking about, as the opening su- suggested, this is the first time that I'm going to be covering Booster Gold at the front of the show, because usually the show goes, I cover the Superman topic, and then go into the Booster Gold topic, and today I wanted to switch it up. I, I wanted to change it up. I wanted to give Booster Gold his due, and I wanted Booster to go first. So what I'm going to be talking about today for Booster Gold is the Booster Gold Flintstones crossover that came out. It has a cover date of May 2017, part of the Hanna-Barbera crossover um, that was going on at the time. They had a number of titles, five, six titles that crossed over uh, with DC characters. And it was around the time when DC was really pushing their Hanna-Barbera um, licensing and this title doesn't really fit into continuity at all booster is wearing his pre new 52 outfit um and although this is this actually came out post convergence which convergence was my last episode mark russell was the writer Lick, rick leonardi was the penciler now at the time i'm still not all that familiar with rick leonardi but at the, and at the time I read this in 2017, I wasn't super familiar with Mark Russell. But I've since, after reading, this was the first introduction to 
Mark Russell's um, Flintstones writing, and I've since read both um, both trade paperbacks, uh, collecting issues uh, first one through six, or and then seven through twelve for the second second Flintstones trades, and th- those are really really good. I highly recommend them. the The social commentary that Russell puts into them, and I haven't read really that much from Mark Russell other than the Flintstones work. I think I I have read some other stuff, but it's it's not coming to me as I'm sitting here trying to think of it. But this was my first introduction, and I didn't quite know the tone that Mark Russell was going for, and that he had been doing with his Flintstones work, the social social commentary, the witty the witty self reflection of our culture reflected through the Flintstone era eyes, and. I can't say too many, or I can't say enough good things about the Flintstones run. So anybody out there, I highly recommend tracking those issues down, getting the trades. You can get the trades on Amazon. I just got the trades on Amazon. The cover is the the primary cover is by Michael Allred, and I'm hit or miss if I like his art. I did not. I wasn't crazy about the art for this issue. And so I went an alternative route, which I'll get into a sec- in, into in a second. But sometimes I do like his art. I got his, the I believe it was the 1960s variant for Action Comics 1000 that was done by um, Allred. I, th- I think it was 1960s. I don't think it was 1950s. But his cover was, was pretty good. I did not get the standard standard cover for Action Comics 1000. I went for one of the, I went for the variant. And, but on this one, the art just didn't, it just didn't pop with me. Although, I mean, we, we only get, you know, we only get beggars can't be choosers. We only get so much booster gold content. Maybe I'll track down a second copy of the issue just to have the, the original cover too, because the cover that I went for was the, you gotta have it, Dan Jurgens, Norm Norm Ratman cover. It's gorgeous, gorgeous cover. I'm I'm looking at it right now. It is. I when I heard that they were going to be doing a variant, I heard Jurgens was going to be doing a, a variant cover, and it was pretty late in the game when it um the cover was released, and um that's the cover that that's the version that I decided to go with. And it is, I mean, it's the it's the traditional booster goal that we've come to expect from Dan Jurgens, and he draw got booster flying, and you've got Fred and Barney in one of their um, flying flying uh, Flintstones flying contraptions being uh, flown by a pterodactyl. It's the colors are popping. I mean, Dan Jurgens and Norm Ratman, you can't say enough awesome things about it. Oh, by the way, shout out to whoever won who who outbid me for the um, Dan Jurgens um, uh, promotional or not not promotional, but the the sketch for charity that Dan did earlier this month. So a little side note here with everything, all things coronavirus going on. Da- um comic book shops have been hit hard and they've had most of them have closed because they're non-essential and comics haven't been shipping anyways and they're in a they're in a bad place and so a lot of creators i'm sure this isn't news to most of you a lot of the creators have been doing sketches 
and you can bid on them for charity. And it's going to the Bink, B-I-N-C, and I'm forgetting the acronym, the meaning, of, but it's the money is is, base, is essentially going to help close comic book stores weather this um, storm that's going, you know, the coronavirus uh, storm that's happening. And so Dan Jurgens drew a gorgeous doomsday and he's got um, Superman's cape draped over him. And that I was, the auction was ending August 20th. I was going to see what I got up to. It was still at a reasonable price at about 1157 because the auction closed at noon. So, well, it was, it was higher than I wanted to pay, but I was willing to pay um, enough, you know, bump, bump up the bid by $25. I think I did. And right at the last minute, somebody was watching it. And so just like me, I was waiting until close to the end. Somebody I bid and then boom outbid. Eh, you win some, you lose some. I would have loved to have had some original Jurgens art. I got to try to find a way to get that some way. And it also came with a sketch of, uh, signed sketched with a, with a, um, Superman, uh, sketch of Superman on the cover of Superman 75. So that would have been pretty cool. But getting back to Booster Gold, this is not Superman segment yet. So getting back to the Booster Gold Flintstones, the cover is absolutely gorgeous. The colors are popping and you do have the little advertisement, um, at the bottom, uh, promoting the, uh, Jetson's backup feature there. But the, the, this Jurgens Ratman cover is, it's it's awesome. So that's that that was the cover that I went with for sure. There was there was no way I was I wasn't gonna go for the Jurgens cover. So let's read let let, let let me read the synopsis. It's titled Booster Trouble. Welcome to the twenty fifth century, where the Earth is a polluted post industrial nightmare. Most animals are extinct, and reptilian aliens are invading cities across the planet. In their time of need, the world citizens turn to the time-traveling Booster Gold to save the day. To learn why these aliens are seeking revenge, Booster dives deep into the prehistoric past to see what happened the last time they hit the planet. In this bygone era, Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble must help Booster learn the truth to return to his own time, armed with the information that will bring down the invaders if Booster can convince them to help him. No problem, we all know how persuasive Booster can be, right? Right? And in the backup feature starring the Jetsons and a new twist on an old twist about our future. The Jetsons live in a world of robotics and gadgetry. But how does dying change when grandma's brain can be di- digitally imprinted onto a house cleaning a robot? So that's the synopsis. Thank you to whoever wrote that. I don't, I forget. It's been actually, I've had this agenda uh, for this episode written for a couple of weeks. And I can't remember if I got that straight from the DC website. And that's the actual promotional uh, you know, tagline, uh, you know, synopsis. It's a little bit more detailed, so probably not. But um, shout out to whoever whoever wrote that synopsis. So it's it's interesting. Um, it starts off with in in the future. And the first time I read it, you had, I kind of had to get my bearings because Booster hadn't had his title. And this was 2017. Booster hadn't had his title for still a number of years. Damn you, New 52. And... So you had to had to get my bearings. Like, how are they approaching? And and this is post convergence, but it's not Wave Rider Booster. So this this title is just sitting outside continuity. I realized after this issue, after you read it, um, 
booster it's it's it's, it's kind of funny booster references blue goggles ask skeets if blue or yellow is better obviously obviously the yellow is better um and he using the time sphere he actually contacts alfred and has him put ten dollars in a savings account that's awesome because then when he's when he travels back to the past he's able to use a time he's able to call i thought that was really funny when he uses his uh he's one of if you could make a phone call like basically like a time a time call who would you call and he gets a hold of alfred and asks him to put ten dollars in the bank and then when booster gets back to his own time that's how he's he has a lot of money it's funny because it turns out that you know all these paradox paradox uh stories turns out obviously booster was to blame for the alien invasion in the first place a little of a little of a bit of an interesting twist towards the towards the end there that it was booster who was who was to blame for the alien the alien invasion in the first place uh why couldn't we just go back earlier and kill the dark one booster while he was a baby before he could kill the prophet so we could avenge him laugh out loud that was one of the really funny lines of the title to me and this gets back to mark russell's writing it's he he has this way of commenting on on societal uh issues but in such a farcical way that it's it's really really funny because the the way that and I, I I don't know if I think the second coming is the title that um, where Jesus is where that Mark Russell's writing where Jesus is living I think with a superhero friend in DC due to backlash refused to publish it and they gave him the rights back and the Flintstones writing that 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 he's done he's he's just a writer that can channel this voice that is very unique. I'm not familiar. I have not encountered the type of voice that Mark Russell has very much. And, and it, it comes through and it fits. But I have to say that the first time I read this, when I hadn't, when I wasn't familiar with the Flintstones, it took me a minute to, to get my mind around the, the writing. And it was, it was better um, the second and third reads for sure. But it was still enjoyable, and of course, I'm gonna gobble up everything booster related that we can. But having read, you know, when I revisited this issue uh, a couple months ago, knowing that I was gonna talk about it on the show, it was after I had already read the Flintstones, which I hadn't done when I first read this, and it just clicked even that much more. So I think this is a great capper to the end of the Flintstones run. I think this should have been, I think this issue should have been included in the Flintstones um, trade paperbacks. I think that would have been awesome. It might've been a little weird that you have standalone title um, Flintstones. And then you have one issue that has a major DC character. Well, we all know let's, let's be honest, a B level character, uh, but a uh, uh, unknown DC character crossing over in the Flintstones when you've had twelve issues without him, and it, it, it's I I think it still would have worked as a good collection as it stands right now. You can only get this issue 
unless you check on the individual issue, I believe it's only available in the back or in the um in the Hanna Barbera uh collected that has the other the other issues that came out at the time, and I think the second one because there's two Hanna Barbera uh, DC crossover collections that came out around this time that uh, trades that collected the issues, and I think this is the second one that uh, the booster is in, and but getting back. Just sort of, the, just let me read a couple of these quotes that I wrote down. Uh, again, I already read one of them, but just the writing, the the wittiness in this writing. Like, why couldn't we go back earlier and kill the Dark One, Booster, while he was a baby before he could kill the Prophet, so we could avenge him? Like, the, just the the getting into the mentality of and uh, Russell likes to really critique religion. And has a really interesting take on critiquing religion, especially in the Flintstones. But this line, these the aliens, they 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 have a solution to go back in time to kill Booster, but they don't want to because then they wouldn't have a chance to avenge of avenge their prophet. And then Gorak, Gorak, who was the prophet, he actually shows back up alive, and he says, "Mine was a message of peace." And and they say, "Right." We, we were avenging your message of peace again. Just and, and, and it works better in the comic. I, I'm definitely not doing it justice, but you get the this this that that the warmongering that you just get the the sense of the crusades that are of the Christian crusades where it's it's they're bloodthirsty and they want the conflict and they want the avenging, even though the prophet says that they that his 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 was a message of peace and they're all about avenging and that's what they want to do they they're and it's the allegory is not lost and it's a testament that you can take the flintstones and booster gold and have this this allegory and the the context of this religious this religious issue you know in this single 22 page story and and that is something I want to talk about. The, the critique I have is that the issue moves pretty quick, for because it's tw- you know maybe if this was was a silver age, but it's not. And we're used to um, a story like this being a few, at least a couple of issues. It works. Uh, Russell makes it work in a single issue, but it it happens pretty quick. The Flintstones and Booster don't interact as much as you would like, although it's enjoyable when they do. Uh, you know, you have the first four or five pages booster getting back in time and it's really fun it the the art is pretty funny like boosters when he comes back in the times fair and he kills the prophet and it's his fault like he comes back in time and to try to because these aliens are invading and he goes back in time and and he's the one who kills the prophet and it took until the 25th century for them to come back to to avenge him and he says here's another quote a per Mark Russell um, has, he's, a personal faith has no need of an attack fleet. You didn't listen to a word of my teachings. You just used my death as an excuse to go on being the same old buttholes you were before. Now, if that isn't thinly veiled criticism of religion in general, uh, especially the, the big ones, I don't know. I don't know what is. And that's that's a little bit on the nose. 
uh, more more than on the nose. You know, that's outright stating the point. But uh, again, that's what makes this this issue and Mark Russell's writing, um, especially on the Flintstone, so special and worthy of reading. Is that you? These are characters like I wanted to read the Flintstones because I was interested. The art was intriguing, and I got a great story. And I wanted to read Booster Gold Flintstones because it's my second favorite character. And I really liked the Flintstones comics, and they were teaming up, so I thought I'd give it a try. And it did not disappoint, and it's got a pretty cool story wrapped up in a religious uh, criticism, which really speaks to, speaks, to, speaks to my mindset. And so I highly recommend this issue. I don't have much more to say. It's a single issue. I definitely recommend picking it up. And as I said, I think I'm going to try to track down... It's not hard to track down any comics these days. You can just go to eBay and find anything you want. So I think I'm going to uh, try to pick up uh, the standard cover. But the Jurgens Ratman cover, oh my god, it's so gorgeous. I love it. I love it. I would love to have a black and white sketch version of this cover and have Dan Jurgens signed it. Sign it. Oh, that'd be awesome. But who knows, you know, given everything, when they're going to have, first of all, the, I don't travel to a bunch of, I'm not going to travel to conventions. So if there's a convention that's in my neck of the woods here in Michigan, there's a, there's a few conventions. Dan Jurgens has yet since I've been going to the conventions to come to Michigan. and But I'm holding out. I think he will. And I'm definitely going to be getting some comics signed when and if that happens. But we'll see all this every all. It's crazy. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con has been canceled. Everything's been canceled this year. And I feel... My heart goes out even to the creators because I know that those conventions are a big part of their livelihoods and they're taking a big hit. It's just, it's just a shame. And so many, my heart again, just goes out to so many people who are affected by the coronavirus in so many different ways and obviously health related, but the economic the economic um, implications of what we've done as a society, was it worth it? I, th- I think it was. I this, It would have been much, much worse. But there is an argument to be made that the economic r- ramifications of this type of a close down, was it, was it worth the lives that were saved? And that's a tough question. That's a tough nut to crack and to discuss because you're trying to weigh money versus people's lives and how bad would it have gotten? I am for the lockdown, but I completely sympathize. The there's there's been protests here in Michigan that the it's the executive orders are too restrictive, and I sympathize with that. I don't necessarily agree, but I completely. If if you're a business owner, you are feeling it. So, all right, that's all I have on Booster Gold Flintstones. Definitely recommend it. Let's move on to the Superman portion of the show.
so for today, what I'm talking about is actually a Batman comic, uh, or so it seems. I'm talking about Dark Knight 3, The Master Race. And you're thinking, Danny, why are you talking about Batman? And if you, and for, definitely, why are you talking about Batman and why and the Dark Knight when it comes to Frank Miller and Superman? They don't have the best reputation. Well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say uh, controversial statement that Dark Knight Three is as much a Superman uh, miniseries as a Batman miniseries, and that was pretty shocking for for me. So. I was going to give this this was announced Dark Knight 3 the follow up to Dark Knight Returns and the Dark Knight Strikes Again this was announced on April 24th 2015 and the last issue came out just about 2 years later March 29th 2017 now the reason I like to find out when the last issues come out and when the title was first announced is because I don't know why. Over the last couple of years, I've been really in. I've been, I've been a big trade waiter. Or um, I'll I'll read single. I'll collect the single issues, but then I'll wait until they're all done to read them, as if I was reading a trade. It's just a much more enjoyable reading experience. And the older I get, the more I value these self-contained stories. And so, that's just a side note. Why I, I take note of the when I take note of the announcement date for all these all these series and these mini series because I always uh, wait until they're all over. And then I like to find out, Oh, you know, I've known about this for two and a half years. Oh, finally I get to finish reading it. So that's been interesting. So this was about two years before I was able to read it from it being announced. And I know that the dark Knight, the um, dark Knight returns is not a lot of Superman fans favorite uh, miniseries because of its portrayal of, of Superman as a, a government agent. Basically, he's working for the Reagan administration and he's basically a, a government crony, to, sort of, and not portrayed in the best light in the original miniseries. And Batman is able to beat him in a fight. Now, it's a little complicated. You You've got... An armored, an armored up Batman. You've got Green Arrow with Kryptonite, uh, Kryptonite bow and arrow. And so it's not as simple as Batman being able to beat Superman. But this is one title, like the Dark Knight is the Dark Knight Returns, is the one thing people point to when they say Frank Miller doesn't understand Superman or can't write a good Superman story. Now, I. I'm going to discuss that a little bit more. I'm going to have a future episode where I'm going to talk about Superman year one because I have thoughts on that. But this title, when ever since it was released, all the promotional images or a lot of the promotional images had Superman symbol in the, they were all Batman centric with the, the image with the, the imagery that was part of the promotional images, but they always had the Superman uh, uh, crest on a lot of the promotional images and so I was probably going to read this title anyways just because I wanted to see where the story went even though Dark Knight Strikes Again is horrible it was it is not good and the art is is 
ridiculous. I, I don't know what Frank Miller was thinking with Dark Knight, Dark Knight Strikes Again. And I personally think that The Dark Knight Returns is really, really overrated. It's really good, but I don't hold it up to the to the monumental um, status that it, it normally is, is held up to for The Dark Knight Returns. But I was still intrigued enough to read this. And there were signs saying that it was going to be Superman-related. So I read it, and I just couldn't believe how Superman-focused it was. This is as much per, um, a Superman, um, Superman story and Superman peripheral characters. And you have Super, Superman's daughter in, in here, and Superman's uh, infant, infant son... And you have a lot of Superman content. The antagonists are from Kandor. And so this is basically, in my mind, a Superman story that it's a Superman-Batman team-up story. And I couldn't be more thrilled. I thought, I think this uh, miniseries is awesome. The art. So Frank Miller has some help with the writing duties. He's got Brian Azzarello, which... I could take or leave Ryan Azzarello for the most part. He hasn't done anything that like really blew my panties off. Um, the 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 team up now. I'm blanking on the name of the Jim Lee the Jim Lee storyline with uh, 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 oh for for tomorrow um, the the Jim Lee team up that Brian Azzarello did with Jim Lee the twelve issues. That was okay. It wasn't the story wasn't great. The art, I think, the art's awesome, but the writing isn't anything that I think is is really stand out. And then you have Andy Kubert doing the art for the for Dark Knight Three, taking over from Frank Miller, and I think that's a big a big help because Frank Miller, his his artwork are. Uh, recently has been has been his his line work is just not not very neat and and so i'm glad that he got he got some assistance there and he didn't draw he had john Romita jr do superman year one this is andy kubert is definitely better than john Romita jr in terms of superman work i'll talk more about that when i talk about superman year one but i i'll just say john Romita jr superman needs to eat a cheeseburger I don't know why he always has to draw him so skinny. But this was this was eight issues, and Dark Knight 3 was eight issues, and each issue had a mini-comic inside. Although I've never read the version with the mini-comics. I've always read... I read, the di- I read this digitally when I originally read it, and the mini-comics were presented at the same size as and filled the screen filled the page or um the the digital page as much as a regular page of the of the comic and the the version that i got the uh the hardcover collection that i got for this past christmas has the comics at their full size as well um although now that i'm recording this I'm not sure. I forget if the solicitations actually said, because I've actually never seen an, an individual issue of this comic. When it said a mini comic, did it mean the comic was printed at a smaller size? 
which was what I thought. I'm blanking on that now. But as I'm talking, I feel like an idiot because maybe all they meant was that it was just a smaller page count for the comic. Although I swear it was uh, um, a mini comic as in smaller. But if it was, I haven't read the smaller version. Now those are, the mini comics are essential to the reading experience. So they're I'm glad they are included in the collection that I have, the hardcover collection, because they're essential to the story. But Frank Miller does do the art on those. And I don't mind that. If the whole thing had that art, then it it wouldn't be as it wouldn't be as good. But having the small snippets here and there, um, once once per regular issue is fine. And it sort of gives the flavor. It sort of reminds you of who's writing it. You know, this is still Frank Miller's world and Frank Miller co-writing. And so you get that Frank Miller art sprinkled in. And I think that actually works. I do enjoy that, but I wouldn't have enjoyed it if it was the entire, the entire title, um, the entire, all the interior artwork was by Frank Miller. That would have been too much. I think the story is really good and the art is excellent. And, and as I was saying, the primary story is drawn by drawn by An- Andy Kubert. But you you the great thing is, is you get that fairly straightforward comic book style that we're used to that that is pleasant to the eye with Andy Kubert, and then you get more the more abstract um, Frank Miller art, as I was saying, sprinkled in, and it it it, it makes for an enjoyable experience. The Master Race in this story is a group of Kryptonians who escaped Kandor, led by their high leader, Quar. And again, I've never watched an interview with the creators, or so I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's Q-U-A-R, so Quar. And they go on to terrorize the world. And that's what I mean when I say this is a, a, a Superman story through and through. It almost feels like a Superman story with Batman as a, not as a side character, but as a co-character, because... The villains are Superman-related um, villains. These these aren't villains that we've ever encountered before. But he's a Quar is a religious leader who's leading this group of um, Candorian uh, extremists, and it really, actually, now that I'm speaking about it, it um, is a good complement for the Booster Gold Flintstones issue. I was talking about because that was tackling religion from a different stand, um, standpoint. This is a, could be a, a critique of, of Islamic ex- ex- extremism, although I don't know if they want to be that political. You could read it that way, but it, it definitely is, um, is reminiscent of ex- ex- extremism, be it Islamic extremism or cult extremism that that has hasn't been in the news recently but where there's been um fanatical leaders and quar is a he's he's a pretty scary antagonist he is he's i this villain i am not sure part of me thinks that this is a one-off and hopefully he stays in this title and nobody ever uses him again but i actually really like the the, the character and so I wouldn't mind if he popped up in the comic now it would have to be he dies in in this issue or in this series so it, it wouldn't really work it had to be a different continuity 
but I like I like him. I like the Kandorian extremists that are they they, they follow the High Father Quar, and they're they believe they're the superior race. They want to take over the Earth. It's a fairly straightforward story. It is not super complicated in in its goals, but it's well crafted and it's it achieves what it sets out to uh, better than I think it has any right to, given that it's a sequel to a really poor sequel to uh, overblown and and uh, and overhyped uh, original miniseries. As as I was saying, I think D- Dark Knight Trace again is pretty bad. And I read it a couple times, and I'll probably read it again in the future because sometimes I just want to. It unfortunately it is part of the Dark Knight universe, and so sometimes if you want to do a reread of the whole thing, then you either skip it but forget what's going on there because there is things that happen in Dark Knight Strikes Again that that follow through here. You have Superman and Wonder Woman's relationship, and their daughter Lara is actually a fairly big part of this story. And yeah, Lara is the daughter of Wonder Woman and Superman. And in the story, she's struggling with her identity. Is she's she's struggling with her Amazonian side and her Kryptonian side, and she ends up uh, siding with the Kandorians, and that leads to an interesting um, struggle within the with, with, within the L family that you have Superman's daughter, at least for the portion of the story on the side of the Kandorians. The, I want to speak a little bit about the opening scene where we, or where the scene where we first meet Quar. And at first you don't realize that he's that Quar and his followers are, are the bad guys until it's the Adam who ends up letting them out. And then he just gets crushed under Quar's boot and that's an image that stay that's staying with me like I can picture it in my head right now that's uh that's a panel and a series of panels and a story beat that has stuck with me the you just get right away that Quar doesn't know exactly who even who this is but he's gonna crush him under his boot anyways he's doesn't care and he's out to to show that the Kryptonians he are the superior race and whatever this is is a small little insect of a of an organism and i'm going to crush it under my boot and that was a really cool moment and shows the the villainy and the brutality that that we have from from these kandorians and and uh right away right from the get-go that this is not going to be an easy task to to overtake them the interesting thing is, I don't know, Superman has apparently abandoned humanity because this is the weird Mil- Frank Miller writing, I think, that we're, I don't know. But we're, when S- Superman comes into the title, actually, I, I, I don't think it's until issue three. So as much as I've said that it's a Superman title, the first couple issues really are in, in Batman's world. And we find Superman, who's isolated himself at the Fortress of Solitude, and he's apparently frozen and Batman and I believe uh, Carrie Kelly go to um, get to recruit Superman to their to their cause and 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 he's in his fortress of solitude frozen and it's it's a weird it's it's it, he's literally abandoned humanity 
and has been encased in ice. It's just throwing comic book realism out the window. It's it's. I I don't know how I feel. I really enjoy this story, but I don't know how I feel about Superman. I don't understand the motivation there, and it's a it's a nitpick, but it's it's enough of a nitpick to warrant mentioning here. And I the the other interesting thing is that it's the pre-crisis Fortress of Solitude, which I like seeing when that pops up. I I like seeing uh, because the New Fifty Two, which was going on when when this was when when this was actually we were in the Rebirth era when this was going on, but when we when it was first announced. And while it was early on, it, the Rebirth era sort of was happening simultaneously with this. But we didn't have a, a Fortress of Solitude that you could really cling to. And so I like seeing the Fortress with the gold, big golden key in, in modern stories. I think, it's, I think it's a cool portrayal in modern stories. I, 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 I don't know why. I find it it's fairly cheesy in the um, Silver Age, although I still really like it. But it is fairly cheesy. Um, in its portrayal throughout the Silver Age, but I like it when it pops up in modern sto- in modern stories. It makes me smile. As I was saying, it's a it's a pretty straightforward story. That it's just the the heroes have to figure out a way to stop these Kandorian villains, and it it moved very briskly. It's it's eight issues, but it's it's a, it moves. You could read this in, I mean, in one sitting would be long, but a couple of sittings. It it's uh it it moves at a at, at a good clip, and I I, I want to say that I'm not sure I'm not going to cover every story beat, but one thing that was interesting and uh, is that they de-age Bruce in this, and so you know one of the con- you know one of the um the conventions of the Dark Knight Returns this universe that that we're in is that we're dealing with an older Bruce Wayne we're dealing with an older um dc universe in general but an older bruce wayne who's who's in early early elderly he's he's past middle age but you know every um as we in here in the real world the what we consider to be elderly just keeps getting older and older because everybody's living longer but we have a batman who's in his in his 50s i believe and so he's he's older and he goes to he gets put into a Lazarus pit in this story and he's de-aged. And I don't know how I feel about that because it's it sort of, which I don't know if they're going to have to deal with. It's fine if they never, if there's never another Dark Knight story, Dark Knight Returns story, but this is a world where I want to see an older Batman dealing with cha- the, the changing world. And it, it doesn't have to be a world that I'm familiar with. But it's it's a world that's different than that Batman is familiar with, and, and he's older, and he has to adapt to the new world. But now in in this now he doesn't have to. He's younger. He's his vitality's back, and I don't know if I agree with that decision. Now again, it might be fine because it works. It works fine in this story. And so if there is no other story set, which which there was, there was the um the the Dark Knight, the Golden Child one shot which came out a few months ago that was pretty good pretty good um the with with art by Raphael grampa i was it's so funny a grampa g-r-a-m-p-a and that was a pretty good storyline and, and, and again that was very superman focused it felt like um and so 
even though we always uh, Superman fans give Frank Miller some crap, his his big Superman tent poles have been really Superman focused when you get down to the nitty gritty. But I don't know how well the aging Batman. Well, well, I do know that I'm not crazy about it, but it works well enough for the story. But again, if there's future stories, I don't necessarily want to see the younger version of Bruce because then you're just in a regular Batman story. And there's nothing special about, well, I mean, you can, a writer can always um, come up with and make it a special story, but the specialness of this universe of this time period in the DC universe was that it was an older Batman. And so that the, the, the de-aging is just a decision that I'm, that I, I probably wouldn't have done it, but it works well enough for this story. And it happened earlier than I remember. When I first read it, my memory from a couple of years ago was that it was towards the end. I think it's like issue six. And so you have a few issues where you have a younger Batman. It, it had definitely happened earlier in the story than I, than, than I thought. So I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, but Superman fans are missing out. Like I have definitely heard another podcast and Superman sites that Superman fans are staying away from this. That it's not something that they're interested in. But they're they're missing out. They 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 say that Miller just doesn't get Superman, or they don't even want to realize. But they don't realize that it's it's half a Superman story to begin with, and it's a really good story. It's a damn good Superman story. The last page is literally Superman and Lana, his daughter, walking out into the bright day with the promise that Clark is going to teach Lana to live amongst the humans and learn about humanity. Because spoilers, she she's sort of her she's still having a she still is trying to figure out who she is at the end of the story, but she isn't have, ha, having as much of an Id- identity crisis as she was that was driving her motivations earlier in the story. And it's a very, really uplifting way to end the story. And it ends on Superman and his daughter. It doesn't end with Batman or Carrie Kelly. It ends with Superman, the Superman universe. And that's why, as interesting as it is, this Dark Knight 3 is as much a a Superman story, if not more, than it is a Batman story. And that was unexpected, but also, as the Superman fan that I am, pretty awesome. The before I wrap up, um, I do have a couple more quick thoughts about the Lana storyline in this book is pretty interesting, siding with Clara and the Kryptonians, and then realizing, as you could probably tell, that they were wrong, and that their ide- ideology regarding superiority of the Kryptonian race is wrong. But it's a journey. It was an interesting journey to go on with that character, and to watch her be in conflict with other characters in the story and trying to find her place in the world is was it, it made for an inner and interesting read and you, you get more of her character in the one shot follow-up that uh, again I mentioned came out late 2019 but I would read this over Bendis Superman any day of the week Give me this. Give me more of this. Give me Superman. Give me the, the Superman and the Superman per, um, related characters from this story. And I'll say it. Give me Frank Miller 
and Brian Azzarello writing Superman over Bendis. I'll take that any day, which is, you wouldn't think so. But Bendis's um, run runs on Action Comic and Superman have been so disappointing that I just dropped them completely. I'm not reading either one. I held on to Superman for a while. I dropped Action Comics a while ago. And they just weren't doing it for me in the slightest. And so this this is a title that will sit on my shelf right along all my other Superman trades. And, you know, it, and it has an awesome, um, awesome uh, cover with Batman and Batman and Silhouette. Unfortunately, Superman doesn't make the cover, but they're not marketing towards that. They're not marketing. This was never marketed as a, a, a Superman story other than, as I said, the, the Superman crest on most of the most of the promotional art um that was that came out for it but the master race that the of the the subtitle is kryptonians the this is a a superman story through and through don't let anybody tell you it's not and don't let anybody tell you that it's not a good superman story and i would go so far as to say that don't that those who say that frank miller doesn't get superman are also wrong does he have does he have the perfect take no i don't think so and again, there's much more to say when it um, when it gets to when it, when I discuss Superman Year One, which will be in a episode coming up pretty soon. But he's he he gets he should get more credit than he does in the Superman fan base. And everybody judges him on. I mean, even I will agree the portrayal of Superman in Dark Knight Returns is not the best. But it, that's not a Superman story. That is a Batman story through and through. Superman's in it. Whereas Dark Knight Three is a Superman and Batman story, and that's the difference. When because Batman isn't the sole focus of a title that seems like an an, an animated series that seems like he should be the sole focus, but he's not. So I highly recommend this. If you read it, I hope you got the same enjoyment as I did. And if you didn't, check it out. If you're listening to this, you've got to at least be a either a Booster Gold fan or or a Superman fan or both. And if you have not read the Dark Knight Three Master Race, give it a shot. All right, that is the, that's it for this time out. Until next time, take care and stay safe.